Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. Hello, everyone. And welcome to another edition of the 10 a.m. Witching Hour. I am JT, a.k.a. The Master. And as always, this is The Master Plan. The number to call on is 347-637-3220. I say that again, it's 347-637-3220. It's a place to be if you want to talk to the JT, The Master, and you know that would be me. Got a great story for you today. Great show in store for you today. We're talking some sports, basketball, and guess what? Some NBA. So sit back and listen to... Yes, sir. Welcome to my house. I'm glad you joined me for this witching hour of 10 a.m. We'll be talking about some NFL, like I said. We're going to be talking about some uh, NBA. People backtracking. I'm not. But we'll get into that. Talking about uh, who's the GOAT, who's the best player in the game. I'm going to offer you my opinion. Not that it makes any difference, but I'll I'll put my two cents in it. Why not? Everybody else is. Why can't I? And uh, anything else that may be relevant in sports? Uh, Oh, quite naturally, I said we were going to talk about the NFL. I told we were going to talk about the NBA Finals. I think there's only going to go one more game, but but we'll get into that because I like to talk about the NFL. Because this interesting things that are happening – I mean, this is the almost the middle of June, real cl- close to the middle of June. Uh, Wednesday, I think it's the middle of June. Today's the 11th, 12th, 13th. No, Thursday is the exact middle of the June, be the 15th. And because uh, it's 30 days in June, for those who don't know. But many, mandatory mini camps are. are, are coming up for most teams. Some teams already had them. A couple teams already had them. Most teams are having them this week. Mandatory minicamps. A few days. You got to be there. It's nothing voluntary, Odell. Nothing voluntary. Me, this is You have to show up. And then that minicamp, teams get a long break. Guys have a tendency with idle minds uh, have a tendency to get in trouble. Front offices and coaching staffs from across the league, and everybody has them, has certain players that they got to cross their fingers, and hopefully they, hopefully they don't get in, into anything. Excuse me, in any major trouble, or any trouble at all, really. Because social media makes everything blows up, blows everything up. So, just stay out of trouble altogether. You know, if you got a family, get it, stay into your family. Because after uh, when um, training camp starts, and then right around the corner of the regular season, uh, for the most part, your family's on the back burner because you got to really got to concentrate yourself on your craft and being the best that you can you can for your team. Because that's your livelihood. That's how you take care of your family. I'm talking about the NFL players. You get you have mini camps, and then you have a long extended break, six weeks, somewhere around there, give or take, eight weeks, maybe two months, whatever it is. 
And then you have to gear up, really gear up. I mean, guys, for the most part, stay in shape. They have to stay in shape. They don't want to come in training camp out of shape. That just puts you further behind and puts a a bad light on you uh, towards your team, from your team, I should say. And your competitive juices, once you be the best, so your team can be the best, so you have a shot of getting that ultimate prize of the Super Bowl. And speaking of the Super Bowl, nice segue, Jerry. Speaking of the Super Bowl, the Patriots um, the Super Bowl champions who played the Atlanta Falcons in the Super Bowl made that historic comeback to win the Super Bowl. I don't know if you heard this or not. They got their rings. The rings. You believe that? And I'm going to read you this um, article about the Patriots and getting their rings. Coming from ProFootballTalk.com, Mike Florio, yesterday morning. About, approximately about this time, yesterday morning. And there it is. When seeing the box last night containing the new Super Bowl rings distributed to the New England Patriots, the jokes emerged about the presence of a 28 to three reference somewhere on the ring. I went with the obvious low-hanging fruit suggestion that 28 to three should be etched onto the ring somewhere. The Patriots opted for something more subtle. I'm always good for subtle, you know, subtle. It's there and it's, it seems like it's more biting than, than actually throws up in somebody's face. If you have the subtle, Subtle approach. Via Darren Rovell of ESPN.com, the Patriots have confirmed that each ring has 283 diamonds. It's obviously no coincidence, but it's also not a really, it's not really a slap at the Falcons. They know very well they blew a 28-3 lead, but the Patriots came back from that deficit, so 28-3 is more of a rallying cry for them than a shot fired at the Falcons. Now you can see it, you can see it either way. To me, if I was one of the Patriots, I would say, if I was had the ring, uh, and and it had two diamonds on it, so yeah, it's twenty-eight to three. With that, we were down and we came back, and they blew a twenty-eight to three lead. So you can see it both ways. While I may not supplant, do your job to come back from twenty-eight to three hole late in the third quarter shows what an actual what can actually happen focus remains on solely and exclusively on getting the job done regardless of the dire nature of any situation or something now third quarter down 28 to 3 everybody i mean everybody maybe with the exception of the players and the coaching staff Figured the game was over. I got to believe that Mr. Kraft himself figured the game was over. Maybe we can make it respectable, but 28 to 3? No way that were they not going to score many more points, or that many more points, meaning in Atlanta, and the Patriots couldn't overcome it. Even if they scored three points, I mean, six points. Come on, the game was over. 28-3, and they lose the game. And then you have a, a Super Bowl champion with a ring that has 283 diamonds. And the Patriots... 
You play to win the game. Hello? You play to win the game. You don't play to just play it. And guess what? You play. Guess what? That's what they did. They played the winning game. They won the game. As disgusting as it was. And they now they have a ring. And anytime somebody's around a Patriot that's from the, the Atlanta Falcon team, and they have that Super Bowl ring on their finger, they'll be reminded up front and personal that your team blew a 28-3 to lead and lost the Super Bowl that you had in your hand. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I'm talking about something else that's, that's going on in football here. Talk about this. Richard Sherman is getting tired of all these and quotation marks cowards coming out of the Seahawks locker room Unnamed sources saying they're discontent in the Seahawks locker room. For whatever reason, guys are not being called out. And it's causing dissension in the locker room. And that he's the one of these guys, Richard Sherman being, I'm talking about, that didn't see eye to eye with quarterback Russell Wilson. Sherman blasted any anonymous sources who talked to author Seth Wickersham in an interview with USA Today. And even suggested with no evidence that Wickersham could have made up the quotes that painted Sherman in a negative light. This is a quote from Richard Sherman. He asked a few questions to a few cowardly people. End quote, Sherman said. Another quote, and I'll be calling you cowards if you're afraid to put your name on it. If you have a comment, if you got something to say, if you got something to ask or something and you're not willing to put your name on it, you're kind of a coward. But maybe they're not cowards and maybe these people never existed because who knows? You don't even have to exist. You don't have to prove anything in this world anymore. And that's what I mean when I say there are a lot of TMZ-like media going on because guys like this, nobody is going to ever question him if they come to find out, hey, he could have fabricated this whole story. And I mean, outside of him saying there was an interaction at practice, and none of the rest of it was true. But heck, what did he have to lose? I think he's really unfortunate that it's come, excuse me, I think it's really unfortunate that it's come to that, end quote. Now, despite Sherman's anger about the way he was portrayed, the substance of Wickersham's article hasn't really been questioned. The information in Wickersham's article was consistent with the Seahawks' decision to consider trading Sherman this offseason, and Coach Pete Carroll didn't question the article's veracity. He merely referred to it as, quote, old news. Now, it's understandable that... Sherman wishes people to talk about him in the press. We'll put their names on the comments, but that doesn't mean those sources weren't telling the truth. And I'm going to bring my esteemed co-host from the Thursday night show, the FSP crew show, to get your take on unnamed sources coming out of the, the locker room and, and uh, um, a name source, Richard Sherman, calling them cowards for not putting their name on their quotes. Talk to me, Jeff. Welcome to the show. Yeah. 
Hey, hey, Jerry. Um, you know, as soon as I hear unnamed sources, it's like the old Charlie Brown TV specials. Then the rest of the stories, walk, 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 walk. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. uh, because uh, un, you know, unnamed sources. You know, if I don't, there's about a hundred different things I call. That's jive. And you know what? You know, with with a a great team, which you know, the Seahawks did win a Super Bowl, and they also went. Lost the Super Bowl, but et cetera, et cetera. They, you know, probably fit the criteria for a great team. You know, it's like a lot of things. There's like an arc, you know. And at this point, probably they're probably on the downside, you know, and it, because of a couple things. Um, you know, pro sports careers aren't very long. Um, you know, that's just a fact. And also because of the tight salary cap. If if you're a successful team, there's frequently there's players you want to keep. They want to stay there, but the team just can't keep them under contract because of the, you know because of the tight salary cap. And um, you know I mean teams have different strategies to manage the cap. I think Seattle because they had to, they tried saving a buck on the offensive line, which you know they were able to keep the rest of the team intact. But uh, you know. The main man, uh, Russell Wilson, took a lot of lumps because of that uh, poor offensive line. And, and, uh, you know, for a long time, Seattle was under the radar. I know they went to one Super Bowl uh, when uh, Hasselbeck was playing quarterback. But that that wasn't a run like the one they're currently on, you know, with Pete Carroll as coach. Uh, But, you know, they were under the radar for a long time. But then also when you get a lot of media attention – you get this sort of thing, and uh, you know it's ridiculous. And I guess also in the off season, uh, you know people are hungry for stories, so that's when this stuff could uh, come out. Because during the season, there's real stories, so it's ridiculous. Okay. Well, since we're talking about the Seahawks, and we're talking about controversy, how about this, Jeff? Now it was big talk, and it looked like it was going to take place. Uh, your, your owner's your your favorite team's owner came out and said uh, that was one of the reasons why they didn't look at Colin Kaepernick was because of his political stance. And um, the Seahawks looked like they were close to signing him, or, and then something something happened. Whatever it was, it, it felt tepid, and it, it decided they didn't want to sign him, and they signed. Signed, and I didn't even know this guy was still playing. Austin Davis to be the backup to um, uh, uh, to um, oh my God, I can't believe I Russell Russell Wilson and um, Colin Kaepernick still sitting out there without a team. Uh, Austin Davis gets signed to the Seahawks. So you have 32 teams. Let me put this. Let me put it this way: 30, 30 teams, because there's two really established quarterback backup quarterbacks that, if they were on any other team, were probably starting quarterbacks. And that's talking about Jimmy Garoppolo and AJ McCarron from the New England Patriots and the Cincinnati Bengals, respectively. But there's 30 other quarterbacks out there that um, I'm trying to think of any of them have started with starters for any Super Bowl team and played to a high caliber like uh, Colin Kaepernick. And I can't think of one. I could be mistaken, but I can't think of one that had started in a Super Bowl game as a, as a starting quarterback for, for their team, respective team. Um, and he, right now he doesn't have a job. And unless somebody gets hurt uh, from now until the beginning of the season, uh, or sometime during the season, he won't have a job. What's your thoughts? Um, you know, um, the thing is with uh, Kaepernick, I mean, he brought that on himself. I mean, the thing is, you know, you have a right to free speech, free expression, but that doesn't free you from the consequences. And and he's a grown man. He should know that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um I mean, I didn't like what he did, but I didn't have a major problem with it. Um, 
And I think he opted out of a contract in San Francisco, which, oops. <laughs> yeah. He's he's literally paying the price for that now. Um, mm-hmm. And the thing is, you know, NFL team is very corporate, you know. Uh, and, you know, corporations, they don't like distractions. They don't like bad publicity. And they're only well. willing to tolerate a distraction – for a great talent, uh, Kaepernick has had some success at quarterback, but he's not a great talent at this point. You know, I mean, so uh, you know, uh, also you know, um, you know, with Seattle, they do have uh, a lot of you know starters they need to pay. So you know, yeah, you want a quality backup for uh, your starting quarterback, but. You know, a lot of teams, you know, cross their fingers and, and, and try to spend the money on the starters and not the backup. And, uh, uh, you know, then there's other things. I mean, I, I think there have been times in the past where teams have brought in a big-name backup quarterback or a former big-name, but it's very clear to them who the starter is. And given that situation, if you sign up for that knowing, usually it's not a problem. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, this this is probably a poor example, but um, you know, like if Russell Wilson wasn't proven, it, it could be an issue. But you know, it's, it's abundantly clear if they would have signed Kaepernick, he's definitely the backup. But let's say, uh, and like I said, this is not the best example because it didn't work out well. When many years ago, when uh, Bill Belichick was the head coach of the Cleveland Browns, they brought in um, Vinny Testaverde to back up um, uh, Bernie Kosar. And, uh, you know, Test already had been a starter, but he knew this was a backup job. And the fact that, uh, you know, he had uh, played with Kosar at Miami and they were friends made it a little easier. Um, I'm, I I know they did a commercial together. I don't know if Wilson and Kaepernick are friends, but that that, that can make a difference, you know? Um, uh you know, I mean, uh, well, at this point, he was no longer considered a starter. But uh, for a little while, uh, um, Matt Leiner was backing up Carson Palmer in uh, in Oakland. And, and um, you know, those two were friends from college. And uh, I, I don't think uh, Leiner had the nerve. At that point, he was lucky to still be in the league, you know. Um, but, yeah, and, of course, you know, Oakland was, was – is really good at getting NFL disappointments with Heisman trophies. So they had one one Heisman trophy winner backing up another. I mean, Carson Palmer's had a very good career, but I, I don't consider him a great quarterback. And, and Liner was uh, a, a major uh, disappointment uh, in the NFL. But uh, Oakland loves, you know, this goes back to the uh, Al Davis days a while ago, loves signing Heisman trophy winners, and Super Bowl MVPs. It doesn't matter how good they are, but, you know, they say Al Davis uh, treated his team like his own uh, little trophy case. Okay. Um, I want to play uh, <clears throat> devil's advocate here, Jeff. We got guys in the league right now, and even including rookies that have um, committed um, violent acts against women where Colin Kaepernick hasn't had any of those issues whatsoever. Whatsoever. Um, the only bad thing about him is that he <coughs> decided to um, sit and then eventually take a knee to protest things that were happening socially in his, in his country. And a lot of this country disagree with him because he supposedly defaming the flag where the outcry from owners in his league is greater for him than guys that they have on their roster that have have and actually have it's not like they, they haven't they're convicted of it done violence against women and they can justify it talk to me yeah, you know, I I I don't know what to say about that. I mean, 
Um, you know, I don't really care about – I don't care a lot about these NFL players uh, with with, with uh, the drugs uh, because uh, – I mean, as long as it's not the performance-enhancing drugs, you know. But when I hear an NFL cl- player gets busted for marijuana, I, I laugh. Not that I advocate marijuana, but um, – it's that's, not performance-enhancing. It's not heavy. That's why, you know, it's, that's, that's why I didn't mention anything about drugs. I didn't mention things about Right, right. But then the whole uh, domestic violence thing <clears throat> is a totally different issue. And that, the thing is that I don't like about Roger Goodell is uh, that um, I don't think he understands the uh, due process because even – as much as I hate domestic violence, uh, you know, I, I believe in due process, and I don't like the idea of an employer being able to discipline employees without a conviction or anything like that, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. does it stink sometimes? Yeah, but you know what? You know, um, due process isn't just for the bad guys. It's for you and me, too, you know? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, God forbid... I could be accused of doing something bad, and I could be innocent, and I don't like the idea that an employer or somebody else could discipline me based on just an accusation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, so, you know, but, uh, you know, unfortunately there's been uh, a lot of problems with, uh, uh, you know, domestic violence in the NFL, but I hate people who try to paint the players with that brush because, you know, there's there's more than 1,600 players in the NFL. You're going to have true. a bad apple or two. I'm not excusing it, but, you know, it, it, it's a large group of people. Have a brain, you know, and, and just and, – and I think some of it is racist. People just – some people, not all, but some people like to portray the NFL as some type of thug league, and, and I don't yep. think that's accurate or fair. And, uh, right. you know, but, yep. um, you know, but the thing is, is domestic violence a, a problem in the NFL? Yes. Why? Because it's a problem in the world. So mm-hmm. uh, I think it's almost impossible for there to be a problem in the world that would not exist, you know, in the NFL with over 1,600 players. Okay. Well, I, I, I understand what you're saying. And it, it, it goes along to what I was saying, that the guys – in the league, in, in various um, teams, have been convicted, actually convicted. It's not like it's hearsay or they're in some type of transition to find out if, it, if, if, if it's um, an actual uh, um, uh, 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 offense or not. It's actually, this has actually took place and, and they've been convicted that have gotten opportunities to play. And because a guy sits down, takes a knee, exercises First Amendment right against something that was taking place. A lot of the paying customers that disagree have, I guess, lodged enough pressure on a lot of the same owners to... Unofficially, blackball this guy and, and not give him a chance to come back in the league, and never been, never had an off-field problem at all, anything at all. In fact, does a lot of good work off the field, but that doesn't count. Anyway, let's move on. Um, cause I, I, we can make a whole show about that. Let's move on. Um, I saw something on, on, and I just happened to be perusing um, the net today, and, and I saw this about um, players being being made. Uh, I should, let me put it this way: players um, being paid a percentage percentage of the salary cap. Um. And this is an article, and I'm not going to read the whole article. I'm going to read part of it so we can get the gist of what I'm talking about here. Um, about players <clears throat> that um, um, getting a percentage of the salary cap. Uh, Florio had another article yesterday. Mike Florio for Pro Football Talk. Uh, talking about 
Um, there were talks in the 2016 offseason um, that there was nothing in the labor deal that prevents players from getting paid a percentage of the salary cap. This approach would protect great players against significant jumps in spending limit and in turn the market, creating the impression that the player is being underpaid in the latter years of the contract. Some have tried to get there, starting with former Jets cornerback Darrell Rebus in 2010 and more recently continuing with Washington quarterback Kirk Cousins last year. To date, no player has gotten that sort, that sort of term. Jason Cole of Bleacher Report recently noted that some agents and people within the NFLPA are increasing suggesting, increasingly suggesting that star players tie their contracts to a percentage of the cap. It'll only happen when a great player has maximum leverage, presumably upon hitting the open market and creating a land rush for his services. It probably also needs to be a franchise quarterback. While most big-money long-term deals are meaningless beyond the first couple of years, a franchise quarterback tends to continue to play every year of his contract until it's time for another. To date, however, no true franchise quarterback has tried to get out tried to get out year protection that comes from tying compensation to cap percentage. Uh, not Aaron Rodgers, who refuses to admit he's underpaid because to do so would be to admit he did a subpar deal for four years ago. Not Peyton Manning in 2012 when teams were lining up to get him. Not Tom Brady at any time. Not Ben Roethlisberger. Not Drew Brees. Not Russell Wilson. Not Andrew Luck, who may not be a true franchise quarterback yet, but who had plenty of leverage when he did his second deal. Not anyone. There's still no guarantee that a player will get that term. It's believed that the highly influential management council has encouraged teams to resist, which makes the refusal to tie wages to cap percentage arguably collusion, if there were ever a paper trail to prove it. Um, now, you got Odell Beckham Jr. and, and Derek Carr, who are, star, who are current star players, who potentially could get a piece of the cap to account for future spikes. But Beckham, as you know, Jeff, is two years away from having his best leverage um, unless he's willing to hold out uh, from minimum activities and ultimately skip games. And Carr has one more year before he can put the Raiders on the verge of the Cousins-style year-to-deer franchise tag dance. It's not really not... It's really not all that controversial of a term which makes the refusal of teams to do it even more confusing. The team and the player were set the salaries and guaranteed for the first two or three years of the contract and then start in the fourth or third or fourth year of the deal they'll have to set a salary along with a roster bonus or some other payment aimed at bringing his total pay for the year to a certain percentage. And this is an example that I'll put out there and then we'll talk about it. For example, if the Raiders were to sign Carr to a contract worth $25 million per year, which would present, uh, which would represent 14.9% of the 2017 salary cap of $167 million, it took a big jump. I think it took a jump like almost $20 million from last year to this year. Um, I had to interject that. Carr's contract would ensure that some that come 2019 or 2020 and beyond he'd always be making 14.9% of the total cap. So regardless of how high the cap went, that percentage, he would get that um, part of the cap, meaning if it went up another few million, whatever, whatever it would go up, 14.9% of that, rather than be stuck at the uh, percentage that he signed, signed for. If Rodgers had included such a term in his 2013 contract worth $22 million per year, which represented 17.8% of the $123 million cap in the year it was signed, he'd be making $29.72 million this year. Instead, he's making 13.65. Wow. Wow. That's more than double his, his salary that he's going to make. Counting for his signing bonus, Rodgers actually had at uh, is at twenty point three million this year. Still, that's nearly ten million dollars lower than where he could have been if he had if the deal had fully accounted for what has become a thirty five point seven percent hike in the cap since 
2013. Almost a, a 35.7% hike in the cap since Aaron Rodgers signed his deal in 2013. And now they're trying to, I guess the players are trying to um, do deals that um, give them a a, um, uh, a cost of living increase, so to speak, when the salary cap um, spikes up. What's your thoughts, Jeff? Yeah, you know, I, I mean, it's, uh, it just uh, shows the importance of the salary cap, which, mm-hmm. you know, I often don't like it, but, you know, the cap is part of the reason why there's so much parity in the NFL and it's kept it exciting for a lot of teams and, of course, a lot of fans. And uh, I think, you know, uh, most teams have, uh, you know, someone in their front office who's uh, specializes in the salary oh, yeah. cap because it can get very complicated. Um, but you know what? I mean, I I think, you know, the NFL, you know, this goes back to Pete Rozelle wanted parity and it, it, it keeps people interested. And because uh, even with, you know, the tight salary cap, there's just some teams, you know, usually because of management who are competitive every year and some who aren't. And also it, it keeps the smaller market teams relevant, which is also important. And right now there's a stretch in the NBA where there's not a lot of parity. And I, I, I couldn't imagine football being like that, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, I, but I, I got to admit at times I don't like the cap because there's situations where, Team wants to keep the player. Player wants to stay. The fans want him to stay, and they just can't work it out. And um, you know, some players seem to understand it more than others. I remember when Ray Lewis was was playing, and he was in his prime. And it was one of these situations where you know, uh, Ravens had a great defense, and you know, guys, you know, when it's your when it's your turn, you want to get paid, whether it's with your team or with a new team, you know, and, and you can't blame them. Their careers are short, and, uh, you know, I want to get paid too. And I remember once just Ray Lewis crying and carrying on that the team was not able to sign their two defensive tackles who were playing in front of Ray Lewis. And, you know, of course, he needs those guys to keep the linemen off of him. Um, and I'm just thinking, I want to pull him aside and say, hey, buddy, you know, because you got paid so much, they didn't have money to pay the other two guys. It's not because they're cheap, you know. Um, but uh, well, I, you know, I, 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 I would beg to differ with that. Depending on what team you're talking about, Jeff. You know, there's, it, there's, there's some very there's some teams out there that lowballed players unmercifully. Sometimes. Um, some, but sometimes uh, they just you can't pay everybody. You know, and I'll tell you, what, this was the early days of the cap. One of the best things about the cap was it prevented a Dallas Cowboys dynasty. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because, you know, when they won those first two Super Bowls with Jimmy Johnson as head coach, they were stacked. I mean, they had a, a lot of young talent on that team. Uh, they did win one Super Bowl with Barry Switzer as head coach, but... You know, some people think part of the reason they only won one Super Bowl after Johnson left was because, you know, Switzer, you know, wasn't that strong of a coach. But also, they they had they lost a lot of guys because of the cap, and they you know they made their priority was keeping their big three plus some others, but they lost a lot of good players. Um, Alvin Harper was one. Tony Casillas, I think they they. Uh, they lost, I think, their linebackers because they figured they would uh, focus on the defensive line and the defensive backs and try to get by with average linebackers. The Giants have been doing the same thing for years. Um, you know, sometimes it works out pretty well. Um, but if if they could have kept that team together, who knows? They could have won maybe four in a row. Who knows? You know, so <laughs> it, it it prevented a, a, a Cowboys dynasty. Uh, 
But, uh, you know, it's it just sometimes, you know, the the money's not there. You can't pay everybody. And, you know, uh, it's it just the nature of the beast. And if you're a player, sometimes you got to go somewhere else to get paid. And, and that's that's the way it works. Well, this this is my younger talent is cheaper talent. And that, that's, that's true. Younger talent is cheaper talent because as you sign a player to a certain price, whatever he is, when, he, when he's a rookie, um, if he's worth his salt, um, he is going to outdo his contract. And when he outdoes his contract, when his time has come up, is when he wants to get paid. So a lot of teams, Patriots being one of them, Cincinnati Bengals being another, um, are very frugal in paying players. And when they think that they can get a cheaper player, a younger player for a cheaper price, with if maybe to exceed or drop off of the talent level that the veteran wants to get paid, that team will get rid of you, regardless of who you are. Um, and there's there's other teams like that that are out there that are very frugal and, and nothing wrong with that, but. Um, Go for younger talent when um, it's time for their veteran talent to get paid and let their veteran talent walk out the, out the door. Or trade that veteran talent to get picks, to get younger, cheaper talent in the draft. So um, that's what the Patriots do. They, get, they, get, they trade off their talent um, so they don't have to pay them like they did with, um, I forget the player's name, um, that went to Chandler Jones, I think it was, that went to uh, the Cardinals. Didn't want to pay him, and he was a big-time player, um, and they didn't want to pay him, so they, they, they traded him off for some draft picks and whatever, whoever else they got. And uh, so I understand that there's a salary cap. I understand that you can't pay everybody, but there are, there, there are teams out there that are extremely frugal. And, I, I, you know, I'm not going to say frugal. I'm going to say cheap and, and really cutthroat in what they do. And the Patriots are definitely one of them. And the Cincinnati Bengals is not too far behind. That's, that, that's, just, that's just a fact. You just see over the past few years of, the, of their history of how they handled players, of uh, uh, letting them go um, in, their, in their prime uh, and getting some form, and then getting cheaper talent to replace them with, with along with draft picks, it's it's it is what it is. Anyway, um, let's move on to another um, thing that I wanted to talk about. And where was it? No, I just had it. I just had it. Uh, God, unbelievable. Oh, I want to move on to the NBA. That's what I wanted to move on. Um, that everyone thought not, and I, I didn't, and, and I've been saying it before, and I still say it that I still believe what's going to take place in my my pre-finals prediction will still come to pass. Now, the first three games, uh, the first two games of blowouts, the second game, the third game uh, of the NBA Finals between the Golden State and um, Cleveland, Cleveland Cavaliers was a close game that uh, Cleveland lost a heartbreaker. Uh, the uh, game on Friday, who a lot of people, a lot of people, so-called experts, predicted it was going to be a sweep, that Cleveland was going to fold the 10 up because they had a heartbreaking loss on Wednesday, I think it was, or Tuesday, whatever it was, Tuesday, I think it was, whatever, that they were going to fold up in, 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 in the tent and Golden State was going to be crowned the undefeated, um, in a fi- undefeated um, postseason champion uh, for the second time in three years. Didn't happen. Um, Cleveland reigned on threes, record, th- record amount of threes, record amount of um, – Points scored in in a in a, in a one quarter, um, and blue blue with some controversy with blue 
out the um, uh, Golden State Warriors. Two two star players got in each other's face, arguing. I'm um, talking about Kevin Durant and LeBron James. Um, I can tell you right now, if you didn't know it, you know it now. These two teams have played each other three years in a row. Um, just like any other teams that see each other year in and year out in the finals, or even in the, in the uh, uh, regular season, have a have developed a big dislike for each other. They're going in Golden State. They're going back to Gold Oracle Arena in, 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 in uh, um, California to play on Tuesday. Uh, Tuesday, I think it is. Monday, Tuesday, Monday. I'm sorry, Monday. Uh, the fifth game in the series. I predicted 4-1 that Golden State would win this um, before, the, before the final started. I still believe it. I, I still thought that Cleveland would win one game out of, out of and save some type of pride and at least winning one game and not getting swept. Um, I still believe that Golden State's going to win it. I don't know how, but they're going to win it, uh, whether it's a close game, big game, blowout, who knows. I still think they're going to win it. But this team, has got, these two teams really do not like each other, including the star players, regardless of how much class people think. They don't not the, – the, the familiarity breeds contempt, and that's what's going on here. What's your thoughts, Jeff? Yeah, you know um... – to me, the the basketball, the NBA playoffs are a little strange because it's so different than a regular season. Because in a regular season, you know, uh, occasionally there's a home and home, which I don't know if you remember. I hate home and homes. You know, like if uh, you know the Knicks play at the Sixers, and then two days later, the Sixers play at the Knicks. I'm like, hey, we just played those guys. Why do we got to play them again? You know what I mean? Um, but let's say for the most part in the NBA, you play a team, and then you don't see them again for a while. If it's a team in the other conference, you only play them twice a year. Teams in your own division, you play them six times a year, but it's spread out. But then uh, in the playoffs, you know, uh, it's different than, let's say, the NCAA tournament or, or other sports or the football playoffs, which it's one and done. So team, the, the thing is, NBA teams don't play series during the season. They only play series in the playoffs, which is a little strange, a little different. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, uh, believe me, they never have a one-and-done playoff because they lose a lot of money. <laughs> right. And the playoffs would be done in a week and a half. Um, but it does complicate it because – you know, uh, you, you got to be more creative with your game planning, and it, and it does affect it when you're playing the same team at least four times. And uh, and this is a situation where these two teams, not all the players, but a lot of the players, they know each other very well. Um, and I guess the most recent situation similar to that was back in the 80s. You know, it seemed every year it was between, you know, the Sixers and the Lakers. And, uh, you know, this is similar, but, you know, this year it was like pretty much everybody assumed these would be the two teams in the finals, and it happened. And, uh, you know, you wonder, I mean, you know, you need marketable teams, marketable players, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, is it good for the NBA to be, to have such little parity? And and it kind of, makes the regular season less meaningful when, you know, it's it's almost a given who's going to get to the finals. Well, let me ask you something, Jeff. When you – this I just popped in my head. You got Golden State and Cleveland. Not a New York. Not a Chicago. Not a, uh, uh, a L.A. team. Small market teams, small market teams on the biggest stage for the last three seasons. Small market teams has the, and then we had even had Sandy, uh, uh, Sandy, you even had uh, uh, San Antonio um, with a with a win there, um, which is not a big market team. Like I said, 
Chicago's not there. L.A.'s not there. New York's not there. And from what I understand, what I can, can, can uh, uh, see that that the uh, NBA is getting huge coverage, making huge money, big money, because of the rivalry, and I'm calling that because it's a rivalry now. These two, two, three, two teams have met three times in a row, and it's a rivalry, whether it's in the finals or during the season. It's must-see TV. The spike goes up when these two teams play each other. It doesn't make a difference when it is. It goes up in viewership when these two teams play each other because it's a rivalry now. These two teams, and I really believe it, do not like each other at all. And the media, the fan base, the uh, fans of basketball all um, feed into it, want to watch it, want to see what happens next, that now, now that wow factor of, of what happens next, what's going to happen, what's Draymond going to do, is it do? what's Kevin Durant going to do against uh, 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 LeBron James and vice versa. What's Kyrie going to do? What's um, Steph, Steph Curry going to do against the this team? How much how much are they going to score? What kind of moves are we going to see? Where's the the awe that's going to happen and, and the the up in your face that's going to happen? People are looking for that um, Celtic Detroit, Chicago Detroit, L.A. Boston type of confrontations. Um, Feet trying to feed into that. What's your thoughts? You know, um, I think Golden State might be a medium-sized market. You know what I mean? Because it's San Francisco and Oakland. I don't think it's, you know, a small market like a San Antonio, which I guess, you know, San Antonio is the one exception in the NBA of a small market team that could win big. And, And I guess that's, mostly because of management, and uh, uh, I'll tell you, they, they've also, I think, looked like a team of the future because they've done so well with the international players. But uh, the thing is also, the NBA does a good job of marketing the players, which, you know, just a couple of years ago, when Golden State was in the finals for the first time, you know, to a lot of the casual fans, Steph Curry wasn't as well known. Well, now everybody knows him. You know? that's my and, that's my that's my right. point, Jeff. That that so, um, yeah, right. They go, they, they can't go, market. State was a, Golden yeah. State was a nondescript team before they got into to the playoffs, and now they're one of the most popular teams. Whether you love them or hate them, they're one of the most popular yeah. teams to watch. So, go ahead. I'm sorry. So, well, they know they know how to market, and you know, and that's what baseball doesn't do, and I don't understand it because. I remember a couple of years ago, I saw a picture of, uh, you know, the when they announced the MVP and the Cy Young winner. And I remember thinking to myself, those two guys walked by me on the street. I, I wouldn't know who they were. And that that's because baseball does not know how to market, which, you know, I understand it's a team game. But team does not mean communist. You know what I'm saying? Um you got to market the stars. That's how you grow the teams. That's how you grow the sport. You know, uh, it, it, it doesn't mean it. You know, you're making it less of a team game if you market the popular plays. This is how you connect with people. You know, but you know, baseball is so backwards. Uh, you know, they, they're still tr- you know having trouble with that newfangled thing called the internet. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, you know they wonder why they're losing the young fans. Well. There's a lot of reasons, and just to show how backwards they are, uh, a very sharp businessman, uh, Mark Cuban, wanted to buy into the major leagues, and uh, they they organized to keep him out. They need a guy like him, you know. I mean, I think he might be a little over the top for some people, but he's no dummy, you know, and he understands marketing, uh, and he believe me, he's been very successful in business, and and. and the baseball owners wanted nothing to do with him, which puzzles me. You know, absolutely puzzles me, and it shows that the how just how small time backwards and petty these people can be. Well, you're right, and you got to understand, Jeff. These are very conservative white men, um, and um, stuck in their ways. 
and I think the formula that they have doesn't need any kind of um, editing. And uh, uh, the comfort level is what they have it right now. And Mark Cuban, because uh, of you're right, he's a billionaire, and and he is one that is constantly looking to uh, improve. And it, sometimes improvement are in dramatic ways. And if you're if you're stuck in your ways that you've been carrying on for um, many years and you have someone that is innovative and thinks outside of the normal box, uh, some people, a lot of people, don't like change or, or change that, that or, or fear of the unknown, let me put it that way. And... Uh, that's someone like Mark Cuban. Now, I mean, I agree with everything Mark Cuban does, but I got to believe he's, uh, he's definitely an astute and very observant businessman and, and um, uh, is, uh, you're right, could be a breath of fresh air uh, in the uh, stiff collars of the uh, owners of the uh, Major League Baseball teams. But um, if you're not, don't fit into that mold, don't fit into that exclusive type of club um, that masters type of club, if you know what I'm talking about, um, then uh, they won't let you in, obviously. And I don't don't know what it's going to take to get someone like that to be able to be a owner uh, or break that club, but it may never happen. In my opinion, it may never happen because the 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 hold and the quotation marks tradition that's in Major League Baseball won't allow it. Uh, and the powers that be that control whatever council, whatever management council or committee that uh, approves or disapproves, um, it's too strong to allow that to happen. And uh, Mark Cuban will, and all the Mark Cubans of the world will be ever held out of that because of that uh, um, that mind mind thought. All right, Jeff, we've got about two two and a half minutes left in the show. Um, I know I may be leaving something out, but it is what it is. I can't remember it now. Um, I'm going to give you an opportunity to, as always, whether this show or the FSP Crew Show on Thursday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, near the end of the show, give you an opportunity to vent or to express whatever you want to say um, near the end of the show. Um, it's your time. Talk to me. Yeah, uh, well, thanks for tuning in. And uh, tune in on Thursday night uh, when uh, Jerry and I, that's our usual uh, day and time. Uh, I'm just a guest on Sundays. And, uh, uh, you know, hang in and uh, please come back. All right, people. It's a fine day out there today. Um, the the this is the second 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 third third whatever Sunday. It is is it is in the month of June. Um, like I said earlier in the show, mandatory um, mini camps are um, going to take place this week for the majority of the teams in the NFL. <clears throat> then it's a big break. Teams are going to. Uh, let their players go, um, do their thing for uh, close to two months, eight weeks, or whatever it may be. Uh, and then they come back for uh, training camp. Summer, summer is just starting. It'll be over before you know it. Enjoy this day. Um, it's going to be a wonderful day. And uh, uh, talk to you on Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and back here again on Mon- uh, Sunday, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, on in, 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 excuse me, Sunday morning. Uh, take care, Jeff. Thanks for joining us. We're out of here. See ya.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 